let's bring in our TSN Vancouver reporter, Farhan Lalji. Farhan, how are you today? Good, Julia. Michael, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us on a day that I'm sure you have uh, nothing going on at all out there. A very <laughs> busy day for the Vancouver media. Um, just before we get into Bruce officially being fired and replaced, can you just take us into the building on Saturday night and, and just kind of tell us about the atmosphere, the Bruce, there it is, chance, the signs in the crowd that said, we stand with Bruce. Have you ever experienced anything like that before? No, I mean, you know, and the players will tell you they've never experienced anything like that before. Firings happen in professional sports. It's yep. just part of the world, right? But as you guys pointed out, it's not that he got fired, it's how he got fired. And talking to Jim Rutherford and the rest of the front office about it yesterday, I don't think they've got a true appreciation of how this is playing out both nationally and in market. I think they believe they did it right. Uh, you know, uh, Rutherford said that this was all based on speculation, and that's what caused the problems that it did, uh, as opposed to anything he did, even though he did apologize maybe for uh, being too honest and talking too much. But uh, the, I, And I said to him, I said, I, you know, I, like, I certainly don't believe this is a media creation because you've got agents and, mm-hmm. and players and, and other senior management from other teams that I've had a chance to talk to that are shaking their head about this. And he's like, well, you know, I, I know more than you and more, and I've talked to others and they think it's fine. And sure, certainly he knows more than me and maybe the people he's talked to are, are, are thinking that it's okay, but um, you know, like I've seen reports of certain agents saying it would it would take twenty five percent more to get any of their clients that are uh, that have other reasonable offers, right? And, wow! Uh, and that's that's the problem that you get into, right? This this wasn't a, this wasn't that long ago. This organization that the Canucks were just so poorly regarded that they had to overpay and overturn, right? Like they you know they went through a period of time where they would get you know. Jay Beagle and you know that level of player around the same year. They they had to give an extra year to to at least three players in in an off season. They, again, I think it was like five years ago, maybe six years ago, and and that happens when you're poorly regarded on the ice. Now imagine if you're poorly regarded on the ice and poorly regarded with how you treat your players. And when you look at some of the stuff this, this organization has been tied to uh, in recent months, from the, the Rachel Dory human rights complaint to mm. the medical situation around Tanner Pearson, like all of it adds up. And even the players said, like, we, we've just never experienced anything like this. And, you know, players will usually tell you when a coach is in battle, oh, we're keeping it out of the room, we're staying focused. These guys were open and transparent. No, we haven't kept it out of the room and we're not focused. It's, it's hurting us. And it's uh, just tough to see it play out the way it did. Yeah, it was really just like uh, I, I, it's. I think Julia said it best. It was kind of wow. unprecedented the way that it, it all went down. And to me, it kind of felt like it was almost a like he was on death row, and everyone knew the expiry date of it. And it was just so bizarre. Like pregame, you got Bruce he's talking about how good luck to the next group. You've got these guys in the rooms, you know, talking about how much they miss him. The emotional goodbye that the Canucks fans gave him. I mean, I just feel like I've never seen anything quite like this. Yeah, and again, you know, Jim Rutherford saying that this is kind of how it's done, and he pointed to the fact that when Bruce took over for Travis Green, you know, conversations happened with Bruce before Travis got fired. Um, You know, and and that's totally fair, and that usually does happen a couple of days out, but uh, it's being reported today that the owner and the president met with the new head coach during the the outdoor game, right? Like the Friday before the outdoor game, and... Uh, and yet Patrick Alvin said he made the decision this morning and, and then also said that he's spoken to, that he'd interviewed a number of candidates for the job. And Talkett says that he had talked to the Sedins a couple of days earlier about the job. And, you know, like there's just so much mixed messaging and so much justification. Mm. And ultimately, this, this goes back to the beginning of the year because 
he wasn't their guy. And and the more you heard Alvin's comments and others, this is what they wanted, and now they're able to move forward the way they wanted because in the offseason, they didn't want to bring Bruce back. But the fact that he was being paid, I'm sure ownership was involved at that point, and said, look, I don't want to pay another guy. I'm already paying Travis Green for the current season. I don't want to be paying yet another coach. And, you know, the, over 57 games, the guy was playing at a six or coaching at a 650 pace, right? The team should have made the playoffs if they had played that way the entire year. So, you know, you could justify bringing him back, or in this case, being forced to bring him back. But right out of the gate, Rutherford was, was really direct in his criticisms of Bruce Boudreau publicly. Uh, Boudreau himself said he thought he was done in November when certain comments came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's just the fact that it's had to play out this way. They, they had other opportunities. They could have dismissed him. You know, Mike Yo had been a head coach before. They could have let him be an interim head coach while they went through a search and just done it the right way. But they, they didn't, right? And Well, why didn't you know, they do that, Farhan? I mean, that, that, I don't know. that seemed... Because I remember having a conversation about this back in November when you said Bruce felt like that. It did feel like that because I think if the timeline lines up... Uh, Jim Rutherford did a sit-down on Hockey Night in Canada, and he was very candid and very blunt about his assessment on the team and says he realized how broken this team was dating back to training camp. Yeah, the criticisms of the system. Yeah, and and so then when the team was losing and and they start out the year with all these multi-goal losses and and, um, multi-goal leads leads that they were blowing, it really did seem like it. And I remember having Darren Dreger on and he said, well, the easy succession would be Mike Yo because that was it. They don't want to pay another guy. Well, there was an internal solution to this problem like why why wasn't that the situation and and why is rick talkett now coming in mid-season where maybe it may have seemed like it could have been i don't know more seamless to wait until the summer to bring him in like what was the what was the reasoning behind that decision yeah I mean, you know there's a lot of theories as to why right a lot of people looked at this timing and talked about the kind of schedule and the fact that from christmas until now they had a dozen games that were really really high-end opponents and now they've got a much softer schedule the rest of the way, so they wanted to set the coach up that way. Others did say, look, they didn't want to get a, a dead cat bounce with a coaching change and you know, and go on a run with this team. Others said, that, look, at some point they have to make a change this year so that they can at least try to put their systems in and change the way the team is coached and, and build some structure in going into the offseason so they're not having to teach everything next year at training camp. There's a number of theories as to why they did or didn't, because you're right. I mean, they could have just waited until the offseason, right? Or they could have fired him a lot earlier, right? And, and again, none of us are necessarily saying the team played well enough that Bruce deserved to keep his job. Mm-hmm. Certainly we all know the roster is so flawed, but this came down to, to when and how as opposed to why. And so, you know, I, I wish I could answer that cleanly, but there's a number of theories in, in both directions, you know, why it didn't happen earlier because of the money. That, like, there's... There's a lot of it. None of it made sense. It's still none of it justifies why he was treated the way he was. So, I, I, I wish I could. I wish I could uh, get into their thinking. But I, I think more than anything, they just became very reactive over the entire process as opposed to proactive. With Marhan Lalji right now, our, our TSN reporter out in Vancouver, and you said it right there. The roster is extremely flawed. But we saw what happened when Bruce was hired last year. The Bruce, there it is, chance were raining down. The the way that they were on Saturday night, and they ripped off how many? Fifteen wins in a row? Sixteen? So, something what? to that effect. Oh, last eight, year. eight, eight wins in a row. Oh God, yeah, I was way off. It I thought it was bad. way more successful than that. So yeah. disregard me. But are you? It's hard to predict. But are are you expecting some players to to go through the new coach bump once again this season? And if so, uh, who do you have circled here? 
Well, yeah, I do think some will, just because as much as anything else, the schedule's off, right? Yeah. And that's going to set this team up to win a few more games than really they want to win, because you want to be in the bottom five, right? Like, you want to find a way to, to be in that Connor Bedard sweepstakes, or even the bottom five, uh, if, you, if you wind up getting a top five pick in this year's draft, there's five really good players, mm-hmm. uh, and there seems to be a bit of a drop-off after that. So I do think it's going to happen. In terms of players it'll affect, um, the guys I'm expecting it to have the biggest positive effect on are Connor Garland and JT Miller, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Connor Garland um, got first unit power play time and, and, and just had more success when he was playing in Phoenix under Rick Tockett. So I think some of that might come back because he really has been struggling and they've been looking to move him. Uh, then you've got JT Miller, a player who they just signed to a big contract extension that doesn't kick in until the summer, and he's just not been good. Right, And nobody yeah. expected him to be a 99-point player again, but I think the expectation was he could still be in the mid to high 80s. Uh, the club thought he was a center. Um, they're desperate for him to be a center, and he's not. Like He's just awful in the middle. It, you know, His two-way results are so much different when he's playing on the wing. And um, I, I get the sense, is, you know, with, with talking here, they'll move him back to the, to the middle immediately, right? Because this team, if they don't have him at center, they're in a big, big problem because Bo Horvat's going to get traded, right? It's just a matter of when, in his case. And if you look at one of the reasons why the Canucks are struggling now, it's that there's no depth in their lineup, right? They don't have a legitimate bottom six center. They at least don't have a third line center. You can, you know, you can kind of plug and play a different type of player into your fourth line. But, you know, JT Miller, they thought they were going to have three legitimate centers. So for them to all of a sudden come out of this process, losing Bo Horvat and conceding that JT Miller's a winger, and now you've only got one legitimate NHL center, that's a problem, right? So can they find a way with Rick Tockett to get JT Miller to stop pouting, to stop, to stop turning the puck over and to play a little bit more of a defensively responsible game uh, and to have some better two-way results? We'll see, right? Because he is, you know, he's not been good for this team this year. There's no way around that. He's been better as a winger playing next to Bo Horvat, but even, even then it's just he's been better than he has been at center as opposed to necessarily being nearly as good as he was a year ago. So those are the guys I'm looking at. And then Oliver Ekman Larson is another interesting one who really has struggled with pace this year. And he's a player that reportedly didn't get along with Tockett in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So how's that situation going to play out, right? So both both in positive and negative directions, I think some guys are going to be impacted quick. To think there was some idiot on this show last year that said, <laughs> trade William Nylander for JT Miller. Make it happen. Oh. Good thing I'm not. A uh, good thing I don't have the keys. I like to the that you call yourself there. out like that, though. <laughs> well, don't I mean, be so hard on yourself, Michael. Many people felt they should have traded for him, but you know, ultimately they wanted to get a haul. They're going to get a haul for Bo Horvat, but yeah. they they weren't getting a haul for JT Miller because he was just viewed differently, either positionally or or however in the marketplace, and um, they couldn't move him, so they they overpaid him. Do you think there's uh, potentially a, a path where the Leafs and Canucks could um, kind of formulate some sort of Bo Horvat trade, actually, while we're on the topic? I don't know that the Leafs are in a position cap-wise to make that work relative to the other teams. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you, you, I suppose you could make it work as a rental, but, you know, there's some other teams that might have the ability to do more and, and therefore pay more, right? So when I look at situations like, um, you know, like Seattle, like Carolina, especially now, uh, with um, with the injuries they've got there to Pacioretty and, and how that's going to open up some space, I think I think there's a few other teams, even Minnesota, you know, some that that have the ability to to make those moves, and and even Boston, when you look at what their roster could look like a year from now with potential retirement, no, to, I don't want to guys see that. up their lineup, right? So, and listen, I don't, I, I, you know, if you look at Vancouver 
and you know they, they did a poll, and you know the thing you can always say about a poll is how many people vote. And um, there was a lot of traffic when they said, "Who's the team you'd least like to see Bo Horvat wind up on?" And it was Boston, Toronto, Calgary, Edmonton, <laughs> and a lot of people voted because nobody in Vancouver wants to see him on any of those teams. So. Uh, you know, um, I think to be truthful, I think Seattle makes the most sense. And ironically, it's not a rivalry because they haven't played each other in a meaningful situation yet. Vancouver's won every game they played against Seattle, but Seattle's leading the division while the Canucks are, are at the bottom of the NHL standings or near that. So that might spice up the rivalry of Bo Horvat all of a sudden winds up in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, while we're on the subject of, of Seattle, we talked about the way that uh, the way this situation has unfolded, potentially affecting free agents and and players wanting to to play for the team is there concern in vancouver at all from from the the sense that you get of like losing fans fans no longer wanting to buy into this team i said i segued with with seattle because they would be the easy team to jump ship to at, at this point right now yeah i mean look i think the fans will always come back if they became competent but yeah i i do right and there was a period of time where i felt that this organization's brand was teflon that it was so, you know, whether it was success, successful in varying degrees, but more importantly, it was it was fully embedded and committed to the community, right? And it was viewed a certain way as a corporate partner and, and as a public trust. It's not viewed that way anymore. It just isn't. And um, tickets are available. And season tickets, you know, we, we don't have a 5,000 waiting list for season tickets anymore. So I do think it could have an impact because when your organization is viewed as not just a losing product, but treats people poorly. I think that could change. And I don't know, I I get the sense we're at a tipping point here. I mean, fans in this market do not like the owner. It might be a worse situation in that regard than Eugene Melnick. Um, You know, like it's it's not quite Donald, it's not quite Daniel Snyder, but it's bad. Um, You know, and when, when Jim Benning was here, I think people felt that Canucks were, that Benning was out of his depth, that he wasn't equipped to build a championship team. He doesn't know how to do that and isn't that respected around the league, uh, you know, in terms of as a GM versus being a scout. When Jim Rutherford came here, he had all those check boxes or mm-hmm. check marks, right? Everyone thought, look, this guy's a three-time cup winner. He's got a Hall of Fame resume. And it's turned on him so quickly in the last year, so or, or at least in, during this season. So I think it's going to. I think there are a number of people that we're getting. And, you know, you always get the, the worst 1% or 0.1% on Twitter that say they're going to give up their season tickets. But talking to some people on the business side there, yeah, there are some concerns that, that this organization doesn't quite understand this market. And they may have miscalculated on a few other, few levels from not willing to completely rebuild because they think the market's impatient, and I think they're ready for a meaningful rebuild with clear vision um, and with what's gone on here in terms of just how they're treating people. So we could be at a tipping point here, and I think it, it could affect the bottom line. All right, Farhan, uh, we got to fly, buddy, but I really appreciate taking the time to uh, walk us through what's going on in Vancouver. It'll certainly be something to watch for the next uh, couple of months, well, I guess a couple months till the season's over. Appreciate the time, and we'll chat again down the road. All right, thanks, Michael. Jessica, be well. Or Julie, I should say. It's all good. <laughs> Take it either. It's a J name, right? <laughs> there he goes. Farhan Lalji, our TSN Vancouver Bureau reporter.